0: Hey, everybody, welcome to the Taos Mountain Lifestyle Podcast. This is your host, Angelo McCourse, and today I'm over here at Just Kidding Farms with Curtis Chesney. Man, as I rolled up, I could smell peaches from the gate as I was coming in. What are you up to, Curtis?
1: Well, we're just harvesting the rest of our fruit trees today with our awesome farm crew, and we're making a couple of batches of jam. Uh, Peach, of course
0: nice nice is that the only flavor you're making
1: uh we threw a little bit of our homegrown jalapenos into the one i might have gone a little heavy it's got a kick but it's gonna be great
0: nice that sounds really good that's definitely a northern uh taos mountain lifestyle type thing to do is to throw some jalapenos in that honey to give it a little kick huh
1: yeah it's jam season we got all kinds of fruit hanging on the trees around here we got to find homes for it or when we can't find homes we just preserve it for ourselves
0: Awesome, man. That's really a lost art is that preservation. So that's really cool. I'm happy that you're doing it. I know that you have Abundant Generations, your LLC. I'm really excited to hear about that a little later in the show. But what really got me all fired up was your passion for making mead, man. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Well, uh I... It's just mead is a thing that just kind of came to me after being a winemaker for quite a few years. I saw the niche for it and understanding the importance of honeybees and small scale agriculture. It's just a calling that I had. And uh, my partner's last name happens to be Mead, Melissa Mead. And, you know, she was kind of the inspiration to transfer me into this winemaking, from winemaking into mead making. And I found my niche, and it's what I want to be doing.
0: Man, that's really awesome. And I know that you're leasing some farmland from just getting farms, and that's really exciting that you're doing the agricultural end of things too. So that's pretty neat that you're doing that. And what are you growing these days?
1: Well, we've got uh, all kinds of fruit coming off on the trees. Raspberries are just starting to come around, some huge tomato plants, all your garden variety of vegetables we got peppers carrots beets uh peas cucumbers you name it and we're doing this all on a small bio-intensive farm
0: nice and just so people know real quick um are you selling these vegetables because man i'm sure everybody around here would like to get their hands on them why don't you tell us where you're at
1: well it's uh i'm leasing the just kidding farm uh Martha Fielding and Bob Felt on the farm, and she was doing cheese at the markets and had this beautiful property going, and I'm continuing on with her dream and keeping the gardens going. We're producing a ton of food for the Taos Farmers Market. We're also an angel fire, and we you know, we also give a lot to our community of people and volunteers that come and assist us and our friends and, and our close community.
0: Man, that's beautiful. And um, I know that <clears throat> last time we got together, we were kind of talking about like long-term dreams and like some sort of five-year plan. So can you just tell me about that?
1: I really want to try to grow our agricultural production and reach out and potentially find other pieces and plots of land. I have a plot out in Telpa that I'm working on uh, doing some contour designs and I would like to expand that, try to get into more garlic production. And the thought in the next year or two would be try to get the pestos to potentially a wholesale market, um, which is, it's a, quite a process in figuring out the demand and trying to keep up with that. Then ultimately I want to take abundant generations and I want to start my meadery. Well, a meadery is a place where you make mead, not a meat or meadery. Not, we don't cure meats, (laughs) which is what most people hear come out of my mouth. But, uh, starting a meadery in the next, I give it by the next five years, I would really, really love to start, you know, that would be, that is my dream job as it was for years to, own a winery or even work in a winery I thought would be really cool but a meadery it's a whole different level I think that's just even that's just amazing to me that's that's where I want to take it so over the next few years I want to try to get into more teaching and education and doing some more workshops Uh, definitely these mead classes take off and I can do maybe they'll be offered once a month and you can come every month and check it out that would be kind of cool I've had this idea and this vision in my head of this what this meadery would look like and the steps and the process and how it grows and where it needs to start to come in it at a market from a market perspective. So, it takes a lot of work and it that's I'm learning the skills and it's going to take a lot of help. I can't do this on my own and Opening up a metery is really expensive, so I'd be looking into an investor or hopefully a partner that can be invested into the business with myself. I'd probably be looking for production assistance uh, right now. Maybe next year I'll be looking for somebody that can make pesto twice a week for me. And the meadery, the whole plan and the vision and the concept and the idea is in my head, and it's very vast. Some of these elements might take an entire podcast
0: to get through. <laughs> The meadery is a great idea for Taos. Tell me more about how you want to develop this meadery and the products you produce.
1: Yeah, I really hope to be able to bring this in at a marketable level. Um, I don't want to do this too small and everybody's like, why don't you just start doing it now and get a meat producer's license? But I really want to try to bring it in at a scale that I can really get it out to the community and throughout the region. love to get distribution at, you know, around taos definitely to carry it open up a tasting room here in taos Uh, but i'd like to start with a small production facility a very modest space with the ability to produce a few thousand gallons a year getting into kegging the meads rather than having all this additional packaging that goes into packaging up bottles of wine and everything if you just put it into kegs and then all these different places can see it on tap and can be seen throughout the community getting into doing some smaller artisan batches supporting local bee producers and some of these small honey companies uh, and finding local farmers that make a specialty crop and just buying theirs honey and pairing it up with you know a local bee producer stuff and just making these really cool artisan batches but Definitely getting into kegging, and I would really like to try to bring this in at a great level, and I definitely see it expanding. I think it's something that's going to take off. So starting in a small production space, having a tasting room, and then the, the next dream would be eventually to build it into an earthship model. Uh, I have a lot of crazy concepts and visions of what this meadery would look like. The Final production facility where you're making 10, fifteen thousand gallons, plus a lot of that being small artisan batches, but built into an earthship, because an earthship's an incredible model in my opinion. It's it embodies the whole permaculture philosophy and the idea, of the way it works with the sun and the earth. And hopefully, you get a somebody talking about the earthships on this show soon, because there's a lot of people that want to go into that. Uh, but, next to this earthship meadery i have a concept of building a mead hall as the ancient vikings would build these big huge giant buildings long buildings that are open and this mead hall would be open to hosting world-class educators creating that conference space next to the meadery that would be open to hosting workshops and special events and really bringing some big names to taos taos has got a lot of really cool things going on and if we can create and hold that space to bring these big name people in that can create the draw, to educate our local community, but then also that's gonna create, uh, ecotourism within our community, and the eco tourism's huge because you you're gonna get people from all around the world that follow them or show up in Taos just to listen to these presenters talk on, topics of sustainability, holistic management, permaculture.
0: Yeah, man. Sorry to interrupt, but I'm just so enjoying this um, mead that we're drinking. What'd you uh, open up for us tonight?
1: Uh, this is a mead that I collaborated with the folks at Teography. If you haven't checked them out at the market, please do, or all around town. Uh, but I, I approached her about infusing some of her products into my meads, and this is just a test now. But when I do this in the future, I'd love to be using her awesome teas into my meads. But this is a honey lavender. It's her honey brush and lavender tea infused into local honeys, a variety of honeys, and It's tasting pretty good. Uh, I haven't got them a bottle yet, but I'm going to pour you another glass, so
0: cheers. All right, I'll definitely enjoy that. The idea about bringing those world-class educators to talk about permaculture and I'm sure viticulture and mead-making and brewing, holistic health,
1: the healthy lifestyle, you know, just bringing... Bringing more elements of a sustainable, healthy lifestyle to Taos, and and creating that platform and that space to bring these people in, because I think it can really boost our community, uh, not just the health, but boost boost the tourism. Get get people here. Get them to show what the Taos Mountain lifestyle is all about.
0: Nice. With economic development comes new growth and. Lots of opportunities for people. Uh, Tas has been resistant in the past just for cultural reasons, which I understood, And but change is inevitable. It's going to be nice to find some ways we can all uh, adopt it into our life, and I think the vision of a meadery is a perfect way to grow in a healthy, sustainable, holistic way. I think that's a great idea.
1: Yeah, mead dates back. Uh, depending on what sources you're looking at, mead can be... There's definitely different claims to saying mead is the oldest fermented beverages. Uh, You know, it's a lot of people know it through Vikings and the Scandinavian countries did a lot of mead making. um, And even parts of Africa, uh, some of the tribes and stuff would brew certain types of mead. There's a lot of different types of mead out there, a lot of different styles, a lot of different ways to do it. It's really coming into a modern time of mead making. It's a whole new renaissance of the industry.
0: That sounds like a huge opportunity for a niche market.
1: Yeah, the mead industry right now is, it's just, it's in its baby stages. There's just several hundred of them in the country. Last I heard, there's a little over 400, uh, which is not many in terms of the alcoholic beverage industry and it's one of those markets that's just about to take off in the next few years and hopefully more people will be a little educated about it and understand what mead is and where to find
0: it and buy it in your local stores. Well all right man that's really awesome and um, so I would just like to know what's your history with mead how long have you been brewing how did you get into it and then maybe after if you're willing to share the audience a simple process of how you create your mead
1: yeah the when I was in high school I went out and picked blackberries for a friend's aunt and she was making wine in her basement and I was in high school and I was like oh my god you can make alcohol at home so I got an interest in it from there (laughs) and then it was kind of in my mind all the way through college I was just like oh this seems like a cool thing you can make wine and then I think about 12, 13 years ago, I got my first winemaking kit, made a wine that turned out great, bought another carboy, and that went to two to four. And I think the second batch that I ever brewed was a blueberry mead. It was pretty insane. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I really got heavy into the winemaking, um, spent some t- I grew up in Pennsylvania, so I'd spend a lot of time in the Finger Lakes wine region of New York, picking the brains of all the the wineries and all the, the employees and the staff and the owners and getting the private tours. And, you know, I used to love just going around doing wine tours. And it's like, that just seemed like the coolest thing to do. Started making the wine. I started off with a few batches. And now it's, you know, the hobby definitely became an obsession really quick. And it's just like, great, you can have 30 bottles, 25, 30 bottles out of a batch. Well, cool. What if I did eight or 10 or 12 or no, 20 some a year? Uh, so it just kind of got away from me, but I've always loved doing it and just created that passion for it because it's, it's so cool to have that abundance and crack that bottle and share it with your friends that, that beautiful bottle that you make and everybody's like, Oh wow, this is great. And it's like, Oh yeah, it's great, but I can do better. Let's try it next time. I'm going to improve my process. This is what I'm, so learning from my process. I've learned a lot along the way I've studied, I've done a lot of research, um, And then I really got into Mead when I moved to Taos. I showed up here and uh, my partner that I've been with in Taos for several years now, her last name's Mead. So I was like, oh, you're a Mead. I was like, well, I'm a winemaker. So that kind of turned into this whole transition to go from wine and into Mead. just thought it was really cool. So I started making more and more. And actually, Angelo... Crazy sitting here in front of me, right in the space we're at now. It was 2014, the first batch of meat I ever mixed up. I think it was the third batch of my life. Angela was here helping me in this farm, making my first batch of raspberry. And yes, he did get a bottle the other day of the 2014 vintage, which I was super excited to share with him.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited about that. And that is a really great story. I'm glad you touched on that because, man... When I remember back to that beautiful dinner and you said, hey, you want to help make a batch of mead? I said, what? All right, man, let's see what it's about. And I can't wait. Just a little tidbit. My wife uh, and I's anniversary is coming up on the 23rd of this month. And I can't wait to crack that vintage bottle, man. What a special bottle for the perfect occasion. I really appreciate that, man. I'm so excited to try it. And um, also, so now that we know a little bit about your history of brewing, how you came to learn and your transition from making wine into primarily making mead, will you maybe give us a little uh, process of how you make your meads? I mean, you don't have to give away none of your trade secrets. I don't know if there is any. But our listeners, I'm sure, would love to know if they would like to start experimenting, trying something of their own.
1: Yeah. Well, it was cool that Angela was there for that first batch in that process and he got to see the very beginning stage of mixing it all up and then you know i like to put my intention in when i add my yeast into my batches but mead's really simple Uh, it can be as simple as honey yeast and water and you can make mead it takes time, it's a little bit of a process, but you can really, there's some tips and tricks you can learn along the way to speed that process up, to get a more drinkable, cleaner mead, and that's what I've been developing over the years. Is I'm trying to get my process down before I ever even think about opening up a meadery. So it's a basic fermentation with any alcohols. You have a sugar source. In our case with mead, it's gonna be honey. You know, and then you introduce, you mix water into it and you add yeast to it, and you let it ferment. Uh, most, you know, a lot of my fermentations are done anywhere from 10 to 14 days, I would get most of my alcohol fermented, and, um, and then it's a process of clearing and stabilizing that batch, and over a period of time, uh, all that sediment and the particles will eventually fall down, and you siphon it out, and you siphon it out, and in a few months, if all goes well, you should have a decent, drinkable mead in a few months that's relatively clear now you can really cut that process down and hey I'd love to share my tips uh, I'll be teaching a mead class uh, in the future but it's really it's a really process that if you can there's a lot of resources out there and the industry's done really well and I studied at UC Davis in California I took a mead making class learning from some of the best uh, professionals in the industry uh, at the UC Davis's Honey and Pollination Center, which, uh, UC Davis is the biggest viticulture and winemaking school in this country, hands down. Uh, it's the big Robert Mondavi School of Fermentation Science. So I got to learn from the best there. Uh, but, and they, ta- they taught this process, and it's a process that I wasn't fully aware of. Um, the Mead Maker uh, website has a phenomenal mead calculator on how you start up your batches all the ingredients to add and the process it's really simple they laid it out there what i'm doing isn't rocket science it's you know it's a simple process but it is a process and given a few batches and i'd be happy to share with anybody all the tips that i've learned along the way and the tricks because i want to see this community making good wine at home i want to share that knowledge
0: um wow that's what a great story and even more impressive is the selfless passion that you have to share this mead making dream of yours and to help other people learn how to do it and i believe that's how you get everybody inspired and involved in the process of your dreams is by sharing that information and offering your advice or guidance on in the process of the goals that people are trying to achieve so i really think that's awesome and I know since you're saying you're you're gonna be hosting a class, do you have a date on that class that you're shooting for um, to start getting some students in your mead making setup?
1: Yeah, so we we're just talking about this, and I guess if I officially set the date, then it's gonna happen, and it's something that I want to continue on and build from. This will be my first class, but I'm currently shooting for September fifteenth. It'll be a Sunday. I'll. Put, be putting on a full workshop teaching the entire process using organic nutrients this is going to kind of overlap with wine making it's going to be a wine and mead making class which the processes are so similar but I'll teach you a really awesome organic feeding regimen and nutrient, just the whole process along the way, introduce everybody to all the basic equipment, you know, and then maybe we'll do some sensory testing where we're tasting local varietal honeys and trying to pull out different characteristics of all the different seasonal honeys. And I have some, uh, some specialty honeys like orange blossom honey that I'll be sharing, uh, meadow foam honey, which is a pretty sought after in the mead world, just, Honey's so unique in itself, and I'd love to just do the class and share what I know because if, you know, get the people making it because it is so fun. It's I have so much fun and joy just by sharing those bottles. So I want somebody else to have that same experience that I have as... You being able to crack that bottle for your family and friends and taking pride in what you're doing because hopefully I can teach you a process that's really good and you're going to make some killer meads that your family and friends are just going to go nuts over
0: and well that's great because I certainly do know that I went nuts over your meads and then with all the gatherings that you host uh, to source some help for your farm um, we definitely get to indulge in all your uh, beautiful work and art and uh Every time I come, I definitely know that that's what people are looking forward to is not only to taste your meads, but just to pick your brain and get a few hints and tricks along the way in their process. So that's really cool. I know <clears throat> just by their enthusiasm and, you know, the drive that you have and your mead dreams that it takes a lot of time and a lot of energy. And it sounds like you got a lot of experience in there. But that's not how you're making money right now, man. So it's really impressive that you can put all the time and energy and research and trials of batches and creating this mead. What are you doing um, time that you're not focusing all your energy into dreaming about and creating your uh, master plan for this vision?
1: Yeah, definitely take some if you're going to do it at a home scale. Mead is not cheap to make, but it's well worth it. Uh, Spend a small Good chunk of my money last year, <laughs> just
0: honey. is <laughs> <laughs> expensive. A few, quite yes. a
1: few gallons. But uh, yeah, so this spring I started my, uh, my first entrepreneur experience, um, and I started a business called Abundant Generations, LLC. And currently I started the business out uh, leasing and operating the Just Kidding Farm in here in Taos. A lot of Taos residents will... Uh, recognized the cheese, uh, which we're not doing cheese anymore, but the Just Kidding Farm was owned by Bob Felt and Martha Fielding, and Martha is no longer with us, and she created such a beautiful property, and she had so many people come through here, I just couldn't see, I couldn't walk away from it after helping her for a few years, so Bob approached me about leasing the farm this year, and that was kind of the jump start for me to start the uh, Business Abundant Generations and then we sell at the farmer's market. I'm really getting heavy into the pestos and making that. There's all kinds of ideas that and directions that I want to take it through education, uh, stewardship farming. And what I'm doing as a young farmer without the capital resources to be able to throw at a piece of land or have a piece of land, there's so much land out there that we need young people on it. There's people around that are their tax status is changing, be because they're no longer doing agricultural work on it and i just think it's really cool for just kind of be an inspiration for younger farmers to get out there and get on other people's land and start farming and people with the land open up your land and let young farmers come out there we have such resources in the land that's being untouched Um, so that's a big focus of my business abundant generations is just being doing stewardship farming and i would in part of the Mead class is kind of a segue for me to get into education, teaching about permaculture, sustainable design, gardening, compost, tea, just the fundamentals. I'm not an expert in any one of these fields. I have a lot of knowledge and a lot of different subjects, but I really hope to inspire people to plant those seeds in the individuals that come, experience Uh, one of these classes or just somebody that I get to talk to share my wisdom and my knowledge to spark their interest in the subject and hopefully I'll be inspiring experts in these fields hopefully there'll be a mead expert that's way beyond me in a couple years just by hearing me
0: wow that's a very holistic vision you got there uh, for the farm and how you're trying to continue the amazing work and the establishment that Martha and Bob created that's really inspiring man and uh, I would also just like for our viewers to hear you know what a day in the life of on your farm is like and then also uh, what kind of products you guys are uh, well you because I know that you need a lot of help and you're the main man making it all happen but uh, what kind of products are coming out of the farm yeah
1: so the just kidding farm it's a very very diversified farm it's a really small production but it's I call it's a really It's a huge garden and a micro farm. It's very bio-intensive. We have orchards, um, five or six different kinds of fruit trees. We have an abundance of apples and peaches this year. We have huge raspberry patches with the best incredible view of Taos Mountain. Uh, You know, we have goats and chickens. So I start out every day, you wake up and go out and milk the, we have two milkers right now. We're not doing commercial dairy anymore, but we just have some for personal use. Uh, just small flock of chickens, and then our gardens, we have tomatoes, we do basil, we grow all kinds of herbs. We were selling herbs at the beginning of the season, plant starts, uh, we have celery, cucumbers, carrots, beets, peas, lettuce, beans, just the list goes on and on, peppers, um, and then what I'm doing right now at the farmer's market is I'm really focusing on the pestos, which are a huge hit if you haven't tried them, hopefully you can get them while they're still around. But I, Martha, you started off and she taught me how to make the basil pesto. It's something that Just Kidding always did. And I kind of, last year, I was like, that's cool, but what can I do? I was like, oh, well, I made garlic scape pesto last year and then I made dried tomato basil pesto. And that was cool and finished out the season and go, boy, there's a huge niche for pestos at the market. So the pestos have been kind of like the bread and butter of our business this year. For the first season, we've been producing a lot. We use high quality organic ingredients as far as olive oil and... Our, uh, most of our nuts that we use, we grow all the herbs and the garlic, and this year we've produced arugula pesto, purslane pesto, which is a weed, we've, uh, we do basil, cilantro, kale, the list goes on, we'll keep trying to experiment with that, and then I would like to get into doing pickling and jams and stuff at the market, but... Just, with as much work as it is, it might be hard to get them out there. But then we also do from a home perspective. I do all kinds of canned goods, preserves, chutneys, really awesome pickles. I grow a lot of Roma tomatoes, so I make tons of sauce throughout the season. And you know, f- you know, it's first to feed myself, and then you know, also feed the community. So, but it's a it's a lot of work, and there's a lot coming off of this little tiny farm, and it's it's an inspiration for me because it shows you what a biodiverse, really intense property done right can you know it can supplement an entire family's income for the year Uh, not just supplement it through you could sell it at the market sure and make money but you can grow your own food in your backyard i don't know if people remember this whole concept idea or not it's called gardening (laughs) all of our ancestors did it this is not new the preservation everything that i'm doing this is old school stuff this is just something our generation's kind of been led away from and and it's just it kind of hurts me because i want to see the younger generation you know especially even my generation i'm in my mid-30s and i don't know any of my friends that get into canning and doing any of this stuff even throughout most of my life sure i have a couple brewer friends and this and that somebody makes a batch of pickles because they saw the idea on instagram so they thought it was cool and they're homesteading because they made a batch of pickles someday in their apartment that's cool it's a good start but you know, grow all the food, do it all, you know, feed yourself, feed your community, feed your family, live better.
0: I love where you're going with that, Curtis, because really, man, it is becoming a lost. Our agriculture is uh, something that's becoming a trend. So like younger people are getting into it. But of course, it's really crazy because all of the food that um, our nation um, depends on is farmed by average age 63 year old farmers that are in you know all like the breadbasket of our nation creating all of this food for everybody and the last statistic I heard was from 2012 when I was graduating from college with an agricultural business degree that two percent of our population is involved in agriculture and that two percent actually includes grocery store owners, the bag boys, the cart pushers, the the stalkers, the truck drivers, all of that. So here's the scary part, that only 0.2%, two-tenths of a percent of our population is actually involved in the planting and maintaining and harvesting all the agricultural crops that our whole nation depends on. Isn't that scary? And isn't that such a fragile food system? But that's why I'm so in love with your story, man, because what you're talking about and the vision you're sharing is to inspire a new generation of growers so that way we can stop that dependence on all this commercial farming and kind of take it back, take control of our food, which is ultimately ends up being way healthier food because we put our intention in it. We won't have to use all these commercial chemicals to make sure that our crop grows in the same spot year after year after year. Um, We won't have to use all these crazy seeds that are genetically engineered to resist pests and diseases. You know, we can create small communities with small, small gardens in each of our own backyards and share seed and share food and have times where we can all get together to can. And like you said, you know, that's an old school concept of uh, community gardening and preserving food. And, you know, myself coming from the indigenous community of Taos Pueblo, people would get together and harvest corn together, braid it in the middle of the village. We would hang all of our squash to dry. Everybody would, you know, kids would jump around and stomp on dry beans and huge canvas tarps. And, you know, the whole community was involved in the harvest and the preservation of it. And I just wanted to put my two cents in there about how agriculture is becoming a lost art. So I think it's really beautiful and inspiring what you're trying to do. And I love the name of your llc abundant generations man and i know it just follows the exact line of this holistic style of agriculture and food production that we're talking about i would love to hear your overall vision for abundant generations and maybe just like what you hope to see it does in about um let's just say five years i would love to just see you know what you what you believe abundant generations is going to grow to in five years
1: yeah, the so I started the business in the spring when I was asked to lease the farm to have insurance up here. Uh but I was driving to I was driving ac- across to Talpa early in the morning to clean one of the acequias and I heard that I heard a little bit of information that the the isaikia, or our local irrigation ditches this particular ditch predates the foundation of the country. There's documentation that goes back before the United States was even founded, uh, which I thought was really cool. And they said it's the old, oldest known democracy within the country. So I was driving over with that in my head going, wow, that's just amazing. Then I started thinking about all the generations of farmers and community members that have been in that ditch cleaning it. The abundance element of that is... In permaculture, abundance is is having surplus and excess. Sustainability is good, but it's just maintaining that status quo. But a big buzzword you hear around permaculture and permaculture circles is abundance, abundance, abundance. And to me, that's the goal is to create an, create an abundance. So I want to generate abundance. So hence of where abundant generations comes from. And it's also, I also, part of the vision of what I have the passion that I have is inspiring that other generation of farmers. So I want to see a generation of abundance from all these different people and all throughout our throughout our. Part of the mission is to promote the community food resilience within Taos. Uh, is a big key component. It's in the works of the business plan and the mission statement, but abundant generations. So you know, shouldn't that be the goal for not just my business, but for our society, for our culture is just to, to generate abundance. So there's enough to feed the people that where you can,
0: I really can support that kind of vision and that kind of mission for your business of abundant generations, man. Oh man, that's really awesome because I always have some of my greatest strokes of genius when I'm working in the field or even picking weeds. And man, I can only imagine what's going through your mind when you're standing and doing work that generations upon generations in this area did before you. So that's a really cool link and connection to the land and just a strong feel for agriculture itself. I really enjoy that story, man. That's that's a cool uh, beginning for Abundant Generations. The more hands you have the lighter the load is to carry. So I'm with it, man. And we can put that out there for all our listeners and anybody to, if they want to contribute to the ultimate vision of Abundant Generations, this is a great opportunity for anybody.
1: Well, it definitely takes a lot of help doing this kind of agricultural work. This is why farms had huge families, uh, because the amount of help it does take. Currently, you know, there's it take so we do need some help here and there um doing the agricultural side and as i develop and grow the agricultural side of the business i would definitely hopefully definitely be looking for employment opportunities um through people working in the fields through volunteers uh just people showing up just cuz they want to be of service and assist in the agri- growing of food um so just being of people being of service bringing into that Um, And as I develop different products through Abundant Generations, there's going to be economic opportunities for people to come assist in generating these products like the pestos or the jams or the pickles and eventually into the meadery. You know, people assisting with the business and administration side of things. And if we get into workshops, there's going to be opportunities for volunteers or paid personnel to come in and assist putting on workshops and doing these other educational elements it takes a lot of resources to do any of all of that and as we go into the dream of the future meadery in the next few years that's going to take assistance with production i would love to find a partner an investor that can be a partner that can assist in managing the business and you know just give me free your to be the artist in the meadery but then ultimately i'd love to hire somebody better than me at mead making to come in and be a co-creator and the whole idea is just it's not just need help in all these other things it, it's co-creating something so much bigger and i don't care if this is business is an llc or it gets morphed into a non-profit someday i just want to be a part of something that's bigger and i think abundant generations has the potential to do some of these things and will do some of these things uh,
0: that's beautiful. I really like that because it's chocked full of opportunity. I mean, it can grow. It really does have infinite potential. And uh, like you said, you're looking into other plots of land that this can expand to. So I can just already see in my head that there's huge numbers of jobs that can be created from this. And uh, they're healthy jobs. You know, They're not like your usual jobs where you're either in a service industry or you're... Uh, In the manufacturing industry or basically what I'm getting at is that you have a job that you're not fully invested in because it's not yours or it doesn't carry your values. And I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who have great jobs who, you know, it does fit in with their values and they are happy or whatever. Um, But I also understand that there's a huge part of our population that feels a little lost in this uh, pathway that we have. So this is a beautiful alternative reality for people to be involved in and something like agriculture and Curtis's vision of creating this holistic farm that can then grow with a metery implemented and you know getting all the help that you need and all those aspects of developing a business like that it's just really amazing the potential there is because you can be fully invested in that kind of dream because ultimately you end up being the owner of your own destiny you can take it where you want to like I said it has infinite potential and uh it's just great how I feel that you Curtis are willing to grow and learn with anybody and you know that's really what it's all about is you know growing and sharing the knowledge and moving into the future with abundance and uh inspiring everybody to come along with you. So that's super cool. I'm happy that we got to really know what abundant generations uh what your mission is and what you're looking for, the future vision is. And uh now that we know about your business, I want to know more about the man behind the business. So this is going to be a little bit more of a relaxed part of the podcast where it's not going to be so filled with information and uh, filled with dreams and visions but more I just like to know a little bit more about you man and uh, mostly I'd like to, how you live the Taos mountain lifestyle because right now to me everything you've been talking about your love for farming your love for education your love for meat and your love for dreaming big and uh, working hard to complete your vision very uh inspiring so i would just like to know man uh who is curtis chesney
1: <laughs> yeah love there's a lot of love uh, it's definitely a labor of love with a lot of this yeah uh, and right. it's for me this whole path and journey is just you know a place of following my heart and following what i enjoy doing and i got introduced to agriculture through taking a permaculture design and intentional community in colorado back in 2012 and as soon as i stuck my hand in that soil i was just reconnected from some other lifetime i don't know if the future or when (laughs) time travel but it's well and there was this whole like this is what you're supposed to be doing. Nice. And understanding the history of you know all of our cultures, that half of all of us were farmers. And it's just like, well, shoot, I was probably supposed to be a farmer. Um, just getting back into the agriculture th- scene, once I got introduced to it, it made sense. I spent a lot of years working in the restaurant industry because I didn't really have passion at all for my uh for my college degree which uh is plastics and polymers
0: what you were studying plastics and polymers this is like a complete 180 opposite now you're like this holistic farmer man with me dreams how badass is that
1: yeah it's uh the whole permaculture well plastics to permaculture is kind of (laughs) might be it's gonna be a chapter of a book someday nice Uh, but, no just and that wasn't a calling to me i was never passionate about it and then i started following in my hearts just like okay well what's gonna make you happy and and i knew i didn't really like love working for other people and i've dreamed you know as, as a winemaker for the past 12 or more years just loving that element and just saying oh someday someday i'm gonna do this and i will do this and it I think Taos is the perfect place to make this, uh, make this meadery idea happen. Um, to me, that would be my ultimate fulfillment is to open up a business doing that. However, I'm currently fulfilled this farm and what I'm doing, making all the preservations and having all of this, uh, this abundance around with all the fruit trees and making a tremendous amount of and a slightly insane amount of home products this year. Uh, and for the last few years, just this is to me this is what this was a manifestation of what my dreams were um, when I was working in plastic factories, working long twelve hour nights and uh after I got out of school, I used to dream of having this exactly what we 're doing here on this property on the just kidding farm and and I was just, at one point, like last year, I was just like, wow, this is totally what I put out there. This was, this is what my intention was. You know, that was seven, eight years ago that I was putting these intentions, these dreams out. And I was just like, oh my God, they're here, they're now. And, and I used to think of, oh, it has to be mine, and it doesn't have to be mine. I've landed it here without it being, this isn't my farm, I didn't create this, but I landed myself here, so... So why did I land in Taos? Well, after I left Colorado, I was kind of passing through. I was going to travel down to, I was passing through Taos and then I was going to pass through the Southwest. But I guess it was my heart and that love that you mentioned, that love that brought me here. And I showed up on a Friday, Saturday morning. After I showed up in town, I went to the farmer's market. I went around and started asking people if they needed help on their farm. It was late October, and I wasn't even in town for 24 hours, and I already had uh, farming gigs lined up. So <laughs> that love for the agricultural thing, and then I came to Towson. That's the literally the first thing that I did is went out and looked for opportunities on farms, and I didn't get paid, but I got paid in food, which was pretty cool because I thought I was just passing through, and apparently the mountain had other plans for me. It sucked me in. Uh, it wants me here. <laughs> uh, I definitely feel that. I feel at home here, but I love the community here. Um, just the connections and all the amazing people over the the few years that I've been here. I think I got here in 2000, 2013 is when I showed up in Taos. And it's just been love ever since. This community is amazing. It's filled with amazing people. I met Angela a few years ago, back in 2014. And then, you know, that's when we made that first batch of mead. Uh, Been working on farms for the last five years. You probably have seen my face at the farmer's market. Uh, and part of the other element of what I do here is I get to educate the garden community through earth goods. That's our local hydroponic and organic gardening supply store. Um, and I've been in there servicing the garden community for almost four years now, so people come in with questions and hopefully I can share my wisdom and knowledge with the local gardening community. One of the intentions that I put out uh before i even took my first permaculture classes i wanted to teach and my level of success for that desire to teach was if i could teach one person to garden i had made a difference in the world Um, and i put that intention out before i even took my first agricultural class
0: nice man that's great i really love how you're um going in on the educational component because that's a really like uh humbling and selfless uh, activity because it's just uh great to share knowledge and sometimes you'll find um people in these niche markets or um with specialty products that will hold on to their information but I love how you come from a community-oriented mindset where you're just willing to teach and, you know, you love to just share your information with people. And um, I like uh, where you're going and your story about how you got here. <laughs> your previous, band, plastics to permaculture, that's insane. But uh, I would like to just build a little bit and give our viewers... Um, some info about our town and i would just love to know like what you like to do besides work and making mead man because we do live in the beautiful taos mountains here and there is a really strong taos mountain lifestyle that's established and um a lot of these uh this whole lifestyle image is um brought on by all the fun things we can do in our town so what do you like to do and maybe just tell us some great places you like to um frequent
1: yeah I would love to have more time to get out and explore Taos. There's so many beautiful niche places. Uh, I really like getting down in the mountains. Like you, We're tucked, uh, tucked up against Taos Mountain and to the east, and you look out to the west, and you have these gorgeous views across the mesa, and we have the amazing Gorge Bridge. Going out and hanging out down by the river is always fun. Uh, during mushroom season, when they're coming in, I, I just kind of got into over the last few years since I've been here in Taos, going out and picking the chanterelles and the belites and you know, stocking my personal pantry and drying a bunch of mushrooms. So getting into doing some of that, just getting out in nature, I would rather be out in the woods than anywhere else. If I actually do have free time and I go on a vacation, I save up my money and I take a workshop or a class so I can continue to keep learning. So all my vacations and you know what I do around here you know, when I'm not on the farm and doing that's just educational elements. And, but Tessa's got a lot of great restaurants and just good people. Um, I'm not a skier. I would love to be. That mountain's a little intimidating to me. <laughs> My first experience on skis, I gave myself a concussion back in middle school. So uh, a little hesitant on it, but I need to get up there this winter.
0: Nice, man. There's always room for skiing. I didn't learn how to ski until I was like... Uh, 19 years old man and I lived here in Taos all my life I had Taos Mount right there even had friends and family that worked up there and I had total access to go but of course just um you know sometimes you don't access those hidden gems in your own town and community until later on in life but man after I started skiing when I turned 20 it was over I skied just about every season with the exception of last season because I had to save my past money with um the coming of uh Judith McCorse, my young daughter. Now she's fifteen months old. But I'm about to get her on some skis and get her up at the <laughs> the learning center. So, you know, it'd be real funny put a what one of those uh put some of those uh, leashes on your kid and you can ski down the mountain with your kids on some skis and you have like a leash on her and they got a harness on. <laughs> I can't wait. It's really fun. I can't wait. I love skiing. But well that's really cool, man, and uh it's really nice to hear that you uh um Continue your education during your free time. That's really inspiring. You're crushing it, man. uh, You're just so full of energy. And I can't believe uh, the drive you have for this vision of abundant generations and the meadery and inspiring all these next generation of farmers and providing these alternative career paths for people to invest themselves in for overall community-oriented, holistic vision that we can all Um, benefit from and learn from and grow from that's really great man Um, is there anything that you would like to say to our audience any kind of shout outs to people friends family um heck even any kind of stories or anything this is your opportunity to say something to your audience um, besides letting them know who you are what abundant generations is and what your dreams are about the meadery as well as your days on the farm Um, Anything else you can think of?
1: Oh, Just, you know, I really want you guys to all come down and support your agricultural community. Come out to your local farmer's markets. There's one on the Taos Pueblo. There's a little tiny one on the Co-op uh inside the co-op once a week you got one in question and of course the taos farmers market on the plaza come check us out support your local farmers support all the awesome local businesses come buy some of angelo's new products that he's putting out this year and his soaps um, come support the tea people and come su- support wild leaven just come support your local businesses because to me it all starts with food and and the service, the act of service that we all provide at the farmers market, I don't think it's appreciated by the community. To me, I feel in my heart is it's an act of service, and to me, it's almost the out, ultimate act of service because you're providing healthy, nutritious food to the community, and we're all doing it down there. We're all standing side by side. I, uh, you know, I just want to see this. You know, my. My drive and my passion is just to see this agricultural community go back to its roots and what it's done. It's existed here for longer than anywhere else in the country. What? How long has the Taos Pueblo been inhabited here?
0: We like to say time immemorial. <laughs>
1: <Yes>.
0: <laughs> so the
1: history of that's here and the amount of people like we can pursue, we can persevere, we can hold this down. And just to be local and support your local community and do the house Lifestyle, come and support all the local artists and the community and all the shows that they have out at the brewery and the big concerts that the city's doing and great. I think it's amazing that the town has that uh, concert to bring in all these big acts. It's been a really, really cool uh, we we music just season here in Taos. Uh, yeah,
0: just had the Flaming Lips like a uh, few weekends ago. Huge event. Pa- town was packed.
1: Yeah, I, I went to the Thievery Corporation part right, of it nice. uh, the night before, and uh, that was one that Meow Wolf uh, co-hosted the Taos Vortex, which was pretty wild. Uh, not quite my scene. Um, Because I'm just a farmer and I'm usually (laughs) in bed by nine. But, you know, I think the town of Tus is doing really good to uh, promote the tourism. And I think it's new creative ideas and the new blood that we, that the community can bring and, you know, connect with the town. Get the town listening to our people and create the change that we need to diversify, to take it into the future. um, And talk, hopefully they're listening and, you know, they want to see the town... Blossom into something new and morph and change and being open to that idea of change and The change happens at the grassroot levels and it sure it takes an individual and an individual change to their lifestyle but the next step we take it to the town level and you know We create that change within the town and go to the city council meetings and say hey Why don't we put 5,000 fruit trees throughout Taos County uh, and open spaces and you know just so people have access to free food or get the city involved get the city involved in our agricultural or encouraging and inspiring the agricultural stuff and get our get all these groups back involved in in the agricultural scene that's what I think to me is going to make a beautiful future for Taos is to be open to that change and really getting back to that food so we can heal ourselves and just move forward move forward
0: nice those are some great words man i really like uh how i can feel your passion man and i hope that all of our listeners feel that you know starting a little fire in their heart because i really love that you're coming from the platform of love and i guess maybe that's why i'm saying it so much it's just because i can feel it so much (laughs) it's all about the love and I think that's a great foundation for growth, uh, for a community as well as even for individual people. Um, love is a great foundation for growth. So I would also like to, um, just put a plug in there. Uh, you know, are you open to communicating, um, with people who listen to this podcast? Um, where can people find you? How can they contact you? And most importantly, um, are you willing to have conversations with any of your listeners? Cause what you're, uh, talking about and the opportunities that you are um, going to be providing for people in the next year i'm sure you're going to get a lot of feedback and i just want to make sure our viewers know um, if you're open to it number one and then where they can find you number two
1: yeah well you can always find me at the taos farmers market um i'd love to meet face to face technology isn't my strong suit (laughs) we're gonna need to work on this as the business grows um but, yeah, uh, you can definitely find me at the Farmer's Market. Um, I, I'm in at Earth Goods a couple days a week, so if you got those garden questions, please come ask. I'd love to share my knowledge. Um, Do you have an email that people can uh, uh, write to you at? Taosmead at Gmail. Perfect. Uh, not, no guarantees that you'd get a timely response to those emails, but I'll try to get back to you. Um, but, yeah, hopefully this is something I can grow, and, yeah, i might need that uh, admin administration assistance. <laughs> I'll
0: make sure I'll make sure to crack the whip on you to see if you're checking your inbox so you can answer your um, fans. Because I'm sure you're gonna get a lot of, even if they're not fans, but just more like um, inspired people. Because fans are out played outward. I, I guess what I'm trying to get at is rather than fans, you're gonna gather inspired people all around you just because of the drive. Oh, yeah, I think Angela said
1: something to me the other day in our kind of pre-interview uh, that I need to start an Instagram account. So it's either going to be me Dreams, which that's from Angela. That's it, dude, do it. Uh, it's just, if it's yeah, not there taken... might be an Abundant Generations one oh, yeah. there, oh, too. Yeah. But uh, I'd love to get out there and try to get some of this stuff out on the airwaves. I don't publish myself a lot. I don't put myself out in there in the technological world. Um, I'm a little old school. I feel like I'm misplaced
0: in time. So,
1: you know, just come see me face to face and let's have a talk. Awesome, (laughs) man. Maybe we'll share a glass of mead.
0: Oh, man, that's an offer. Now that's it, man. You probably started a fire. Everybody's going to be coming and they have a huge line at your uh, farmer's market booth waiting all with their glasses, waiting for a taste of that mead. (laughs) Well, this has been great, Curtis. I really appreciate you being here. I know you've had a long farmer's market day. Myself included, and I just really appreciate your passion for letting people know your story and giving them your vision and um also providing an opportunity for them to contribute however they may see fit and um I know that because of your passion that's behind your business abundant generations as well as the dream me dreams they're going to happen that 5 year plan will probably even happen faster and looking at you move every week it's rather amazing so thank you again man
1: cool thanks to be here and good luck the house mountain lifestyle uh there's amazing i can't wait to hear all the stories that come out of all this this podcast it's going to be great it's going to be big and you're going to be real this you're going to really help accelerate the community and getting all the voices out there so thanks for sharing my voice today and thank you for the work you're doing and creating this platform to make this a reality sweet i had a lot of fun and i can't wait to do the next one
0: You're the man, Curtis Chesney. Thanks, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed the podcast. You all have a good night. Cheers. Sweet, dude. All right, Curtis, I know there's a little update uh, to your class dates uh, for your mead making um, since the last recording. So what are they, man?
1: Uh, So our first class uh, we're going to do on September... Uh, the sixteenth. It's the third Sunday of September, and then we're also going to do a follow-up class in, p- in case people miss it. Uh, we're going to do that October twenty-first. It's also the third Sunday of the month. We're going to try to keep it like that, um, and maybe look for more in the future. This is our first. This is the first one I'm doing, so I look forward to uh, sharing my knowledge with you guys.
0: All right, you guys heard that uh, September sixteenth and October twenty-fourth
1: going to be at Earth Goods and we have a lot of wine equipment there's going to be honey available so hopefully we can do this right and get that knowledge to you so you guys can start making good meat at home
0: Nice and Earth Goods is over there on Bertha Street uh if you like turn right where Tribio's is you'll be able to cruise down and find it All right thanks everybody